Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. It is Thursday, and I'm talking about a LeBron James mural in Los Angeles for the second time this week. That's because on Monday, I sat in this very same chair at this very same desk, and I addressed people who were defacing a mural of LeBron in Venice. And I believe at that time, because I think back to Monday, I believe at that time, my message was pretty clear, and it was pretty simple. Stop doing it, losers. Knock it off, losers. I mean, if you call yourself a Laker fan, and you're defacing a mural of LeBron James in Laker gear, then you're not a Laker fan. I mean, I thought that was pretty simple. I thought that was pretty clear. I thought that that would never come up again because it was so simple and clear. I would never have to cover that again because I thought that it was a one-off. You know, some knucklehead inspired by another knucklehead offering a bounty on Twitter to wreck a mural. This is pretty basic, right? Except I was wrong because yesterday the artist himself, Jonas Never, Painted the mural white after some dope hit it with yellow paint. So the mural is now no more. The artist told ESPN, quote, I thought I had learned a long time ago to never touch religion or politics. I guess it's never touch religion, politics, or anyone against Kobe. End quote. This is a huge Kobe house. Let's be very clear about that. Except, having said that, and put that aside for a minute, I hope you're all proud of yourselves. The artist covered the entire thing up. You wrecked it. You ruined it. You threw yellow paint all over somebody else's artwork, and in the process, you drowned yourself in stupidity. Listen, you're not protecting Kobe's legacy. You're destroying your own and making the fan base look like complete morons. Do I have to remind you that after years, follow me on this, do I have to really remind you that after years of being ignored by free agents, not only ignored, I mean, they couldn't even get a meeting with some of the biggest free agents. After years of that going on, the biggest free agent out there, arguably the biggest free agent ever, just signed with your team. It's a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. It's a reason to celebrate, not vandalize. As Laker Josh Hart tweeted, this is sad and disrespectful. L.A., we better than this. I'm with you, Josh. I see you working. We are better than this. Or at least I thought so. Because apparently some of you aren't. Apparently some of you are not better than that. Apparently some of you losers think that having the best player in basketball on your team is a bad thing. Apparently, some of you losers think that somehow LeBron James wearing a Laker jersey is a threat to what Kobe Bryant did in a Laker jersey. Obviously, that's not the case. I mean, not only are you an idiot, you're coming from the wrong place altogether. Nothing LeBron does in purple and gold is ever going to take away from what Kobe did in purple and gold. I mean, maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And the fact that you're willing to stop at a hardware store or a Home Depot or a paint store so you can buy some paint, then drive all the way to Venice and throw it all over that wall proves that you need to get a life. I mean, seriously. Remember when Kobe won all those championships with the Lakers and that took away from everything Magic accomplished? Remember when James Worthy won that ring and then it erased everything that Jerry West accomplished? Or how about that time Kareem got a ring and everybody forgot about Wilt? Yeah, no, you don't remember any of that. You know why? Because none of that happened. And because Laker fans, actual Laker fans, party every time their team wins a ring. Not just when their team wins a ring with a certain guy. Like, if Josh Hart gets a ring, does that mean that Kobe was not great? No. If Brandon Ingram wins a ring, will there be pressure to rip down one of Kobe's jerseys from the rafters? Of course not. Just as Kobe's career is not going to change based on what LeBron does. I mean, am I really spending this much time again on the mural? Look, nobody has any control over what some of you losers are apparently doing in his name. But you know what you're doing? You're actually making Kobe look bad. You know, like the guy you're supposedly defending, you're making him look bad. The same guy that welcomed LeBron to L.A. You're making him look bad. Don't get me wrong. It's got nothing to do with Kobe. He's not doing it. He's not encouraging it. He's all about LeBron. 
And it's probably only a tiny, tiny subset of Kobe fans. But damn, that tiny subset is making everybody look bad. You want to make yourself look bad? Good. Do it. Do it on your own time. Don't make Kobe look bad. Don't make my city look bad. Don't make me look bad. Don't make Laker fans look bad. This is the second time I've had to talk about this. It better be the last. Stop doing it, losers. Come on. Wake up. Knock it off. Don't take it from me. Take it from Ryan Leaf. Knock it off. Don't talk to me like that. Don't talk back to me. Stop hitting Sherwin-Williams and then driving over to Venice. Stop doing it. Come on, man. Talk to me, all right? Knock it off. Mark Stein is my guest. Mark, good morning. Great to have you. How are you? God, I could listen to that intro all day long. <laughs> I could say it all day long, and you earned it too. All right, let me first ask does, you this. Does, uh, does Santa Barbara give you the same respect, just real quick? Does, does, I want to make sure that they treat you with the same reverence. It, by the way, they do. I don't, reverence might be a strong word, but they do. Hey, Mark, it's important, right? I mean, good, people like you and I that love our school, it's nice to have that love returned. And yes, UC Santa Barbara gives me a hell of a lot of respect. In fact, I'm going up there this weekend to show the school to my son. How about that? Man, we're getting old. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. How about you? Does Cal State Fullerton hold you in the same regard? Cal State Fullerton spoils me rotten. Unfortunately, I cannot seem to interest my kids in making my uh, my 15 year old has shown no has shown no inclination to have it on his list of finalists yet. All right. So, what's he looking at? What is he like? I'm failing. I'm failing as a recruiter. <laughs> I, 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 God, I'm ashamed to even say this out loud. He wants to go. I think he has. I think UCLA is on his list, and I'm not happy about it. Let me ask you something, though, Mark. In all honesty, does he have the kind of credentials necessary? Because UCLA may as well be Stanford or Duke at this point. UCLA is really, as you know, really hard to get into. He might. He might be able to pull it off, but I, I will do everything I can to prevent it. Whether he has the credentials or not, I can't. That that is something that I cannot stomach. I see you, Morgan. Look, I love my son. I couldn't admire and love my son anymore. My boy ain't getting into UCLA, so then, then, then there's that. All right, so let me ask you this. You've already addressed the issue head on, and the issue, of course, is the rush of people trying to make Houston, we have a problem, headlines, if the Rockets sign Carmelo Anthony. Leaving aside that nightmare, what do you make of Houston's interest in Melo? Look, and they might be proven right, because it's not a seamless fit, but they've They've wanted him for ages, and I just feel like they deserve the benefit of the doubt. The run they've been on, Daryl Morey has been making moves for a decade that continue to inch that team closer and closer to a title. And let's face it, the reason everybody doesn't like it is because it's a D'Antoni-Carmelo reunion, and everyone remembers how badly that went in New York. But I think Mike D'Antoni's a different guy. And he would have Chris Paul there. Chris Paul will manage Carmelo Anthony more than anyone else in that organization. And I think Chris Paul has the juice to do that with Melo more than probably anyone in the league except LeBron. So I think it can actually work a lot better than people say. And if you really want to dig into the advanced stats of it, when Carmelo is switching, he's not nearly the defensive issue that he's been portrayed in other places. And we know the Rockets, that's all they do is, is switch on D. And then offensively, look at the way D'Antoni changed his offense last season. The Rockets ISO, as much as anyone out there, that's Melo's strength. So I think people are just saying, it failed in New York, there's no way this can work again. And I, and I'm, I just want to, I'm taking a wait and see attitude. I want, I, I hope it happens. I think it's going to happen. Everyone I talk to thinks that Carmelo is going to end up in Houston. And I just, I want to see what it looks like. I like, I like bold swings and it, it is a bold swing. All right, so that's the best argument I've heard to date about Melo going there. If, in fact, you're right and everybody else is right and he does end up there, are they closer to Golden State than they were last season or are they further away? I, they're not closer. <laughs> I mean, you know, I came into this offseason thinking it's going to be crazy because it's always crazy, but at the end of the day, we're not going to see that much in terms of, in terms of changing the landscape unless LeBron – ends up with Kawhi or Paul George on the same team. And it turned out even worse than that. Golden State getting to Marcus Cousins, we might not see Boogie until February, but it does obviously create the, the prospect, the scariest prospect 
that anybody could have imagined that Golden State is actually better than they were. And I think Jonas Derebko is quietly going to be a very nice pickup for the Warriors. And, you know, I think they're done, but at this point, you know, who would be surprised if they signed somebody else who helps for the minimum? So the biggest problem the league has is that the Warriors look like they got better. And I, you know, I certainly didn't expect that on July 1. Clones. There are a ton of huge artists on tour this summer. The Pixies, Weezer, Eminem, Pearl Jam, plus the Festival Circuit. Fan Exchange has all the tickets. Tickets purchased on Fan Exchange are always guaranteed. No getting to the gate and worrying about getting in. Fan Exchange gets you closer to the action. Find the very best seats at the very best prices at FanExchange.com. Use the promo code ROME. That's promo code ROME and get 50% off the service fees on your next purchase fan exchange we have tickets fan exchange promo code rome mark stein the pride of cal state fortune joining us now something we haven't really spent a lot of time on mark help me out with this if you don't mind san antonio is going to look different next year at least without tony parker before we get into the details of that departure and everything else going on in san antonio how weird is it going to be to see parker in a charlotte jersey yeah, I, you know, that's one that I, I thought he would stay, even at the minimum, even without a guarantee of playing time. I did not see Tony Parker leaving the Spurs for Charlotte, of all places. But look, Charlotte does have Nicola Batum there, and they're very close as national team buddies. So I'm sure Batum was putting the hard sell on Tony, and he will have a chance to, to play there. James Borrego was an assistant in San Antonio twice, so... Tony has familiarity with the coach, but Manu Ginobili is turning 41 later this month. He might come back for another season. If he is the last Spurs standing out of the Duncan, Parker, Manu trio, I mean, that, that, that's amazing to me. Um, and, and he might well decide to come back. And then just imagine if he doesn't. Imagine if Manu decides to hang it up. And that means Greg Popovich is still there without all three of those guys, which is Yes, I mean, strange, strange. it's strange at the very least and, and probably weirder than that. Mark Stein, my guest. One more thought about it, too. Parker had lost his starting job this year, but his name kept coming up because of that quote earlier about his injury where he compared it to Kawhi Leonard's when he said that his own injury was, quote, 100 times worse than Kawhi's. The quote kept coming up over and over again. Parker said that he did not have a problem with Kawhi. What's your sense as to the dynamic between those two? My sense is that Kawhi had a problem with what was said. Now, could it have been resolved? I wouldn't think the Spurs were inviting Tony to stay, even though it was on a minimum deal with no promise of playing time. I can't imagine the Spurs were inviting Tony Parker to stay if they thought it was a huge, unresolvable issue. But I don't think there's any question that when you talk to people who have the best sense of where Kawhi Leonard's mindset is right now, they will tell you that, that those Parker comments really upset him as much as anything that happened last season. So I guess if you're a Spurs fan, kind of what you're, if you're holding on to hope that Parker's departure somehow at least creates a small chance that things can be mended with Kawhi Leonard, but I'm, I'm still in the, I'm still of the mind that I, I just don't see the relationship being repaired. I don't think that the Spurs can get Kawhi Leonard's buy-in again. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm under, underestimating them. You know, Pop is not someone you should typically underestimate. But just all the signals that have been circulating is that Kawhi Leonard's dismay with the situation there is such that he does not want to go back. And so I, I still think the most likely scenario is that they trade him. Now they have until February to trade him. So it doesn't mean it's going to happen this week, next week, this month. But I still think the most likely scenario is that they move him. All right, so on to that point, Mark, the fact that LeBron's in Los Angeles right now, does LeBron make it more or less likely that Kawhi would go to the Lakers? I think the Lakers, by, the, by virtue of the moves they've made, the fact they're signing everybody else around LeBron on one-year deals, I think that's kind of a signal that they know trading for him is going to be hard. That If they have a chance at him, their best chance is most likely to have to wait till next summer in free agency. Um, and, you know, the signals are mixed. Does Kawhi want to play with LeBron? I have to say I don't have firsthand knowledge of where he really stands on that issue. 
It's been reported that he doesn't. It's been reported that he really doesn't have a problem with it. I can't sit here and tell you that I know where Kawhi really stands on that. But I think the Lakers think that they're going to get him eventually. And that's why you're seeing them try to maintain this ultimate flexibility for next summer. Mark, last thought. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling how little we really know about Kawhi and his mindset and where he's at. In fact, physically, do we have any idea where he's at in terms of rehab? Do teams know where he's at physically? Nope. Nobody knows. Nobody's seen him. And that's why even as I'm, as I'm saying some of this stuff, I'm kind of in my own head saying, you know, should I even say what I'm saying? Because, yeah, I mean, he is, he is so far removed. And, and what, you know, what all of us media scoundrels are relying, you know, we're, we're relying on the whispers of, you know, people who are, quote, close to him. I don't think anyone is talking to Kawhi, not in the media, not with teams. I mean, he is completely sequestered, and that is a big curiosity. Teams don't know how healthy he is, but I would also say there are still plenty of gamblers in this league. A Danny Ainge comes to mind. Maury comes to mind in Houston. I think Philly would, would, you know, still has huge interest in trading for him if they can put a package together that San Antonio accepts. Someone will take that gamble because he's just that good. I mean, he is, when healthy, he's, he's really the best two-way player in the league. So, obviously, whoever gets him is going to take a long look at the medicals when they finally get that chance. But I still think the line, the line of interested teams in him is still really, really long. How much better and easier is your life when you can take care of something online? How much worse, then, is your life when you're turning the house upside down looking for a stamp? Stamps.com is the easiest way to access all the amazing services of the post office. I've got a business. I need the post office. I use Stamps.com. It saves me time. It saves me money. It makes my life so much easier. And it can do the same thing for you. Create your Stamps.com account in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Click, print, mail, and you're done. Again, Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. I'll tell you why I use Stamps.com. It's easy. It's fast, it's convenient, and we're all looking for an edge. We're all looking for more time. This helps me save time. And right now, you too can enjoy Stamps.com with a special offer, which includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, hit the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Rome. Stamps.com, enter Rome. I was not ready to crown their ass just yet. Not yet. They still had yet to face their toughest challenge, as far as I was concerned. They had won eight in a row, but they had not stared down one Bartolo Colon, Big Bart, a.k.a. Big Sexy, sexy a.k.a. the greatest pitcher in Major League history. He was on the mound for the Rangers. The truth is, as good as Boston looked over the past season, over the past week, they had not yet been tested. Not the way Bart can test you. So you beat a six-time All-Star. And a three-time Cy Young winner, Max Scherzer, to start the winning streak. Yeah, great. That's cool. Whatever. Wake me up, though, when you beat Bart. You put up 32 runs in three games against Kansas City. Great. Good for you. It's kind of like beating Glass Joe and Von Kaiser. All be impressed when you do it against Mike Tyson because that's what Bart is. Bart's the freaking boss, the final boss. You beat Bart, then you've proven yourself. The Red Sox knew that. Why do you think they ran Chris Sale to the bump? This is the level of preparation that Alex Cora puts into his job. He's barely past the halfway mark in his first season as manager. He's already doing veteran things like that, setting up his rotation so he can have Chris Sale ready for when they have to go up against Bart Cologne. And believe me, Sale was ready. Seven shutout innings, 12 strikeouts. Bam. Boston manages to scratch out four runs off Big Bart. Suddenly, they have themselves a nine-game winning streak. Suddenly, I am buying them is a serious threat. I mean, sure, they already had a nine-game winning streak earlier this season. And yes, they've now won 14 of 16. And they've got the best record in baseball. And they've got a roster full of all-stars. I know all this. But you show up and you beat Bartolo Colon, then you've shown me something. I guess, in a way, what I'm really trying to say is, 
We all love the Red Sox. Alvy, hit it. He said we all love the Red Sox. Always have Snappy, always right? Thank you, Dustin Sing it, Chowds. Get it, Chowds. If you're looking for a lyric sheet so you can sing along, you're not going to find it. I tried. I love this song. Louder, Robbie. Man, I love that song. We all love the Red Sox. Hit it again, Alvy. Damn, I love that song. Damn, I love that team. And they're doing it without Dustin Pedroia. He's been out since the end of May. He may be done for the year. That's how good these guys are. Mookie Betts is raking. J.D. Martinez is mashing. Chris Sale is shredding opponents the way he used to shred jerseys. Five straight starts with at least 11 strikeouts, no more than one walk. Which brings me to Brian Cashman. I know Brian Cashman's got a lot of different options in front of him at his disposal. When it comes to trade deadline, here's my advice to you, Cash, and I know you have a lot of options. Do not pick the best one. Do all of them. Manny Machado liked an Instagram pic of him in a Yankee gear. Great, great. I don't know, maybe that was a butt-like, you know, like a butt dial. Or maybe he did it. I don't know, I don't care. Make the move. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Because we all love the Red Sox. Pull the trigger, Cash. You're on the verge of falling way behind this Red Sox juggernaut. And once that happens, then it is a boat race. Again, never mind this garbage about it coming down to the last weekend or the last game. It won't. It's not going to happen. Not if you're looking up at them and they're starting to make their move already. And if you beat Bartolo Colon, you're making your move already. So make yours, Cash. Or I'll be bumping this amazing jam on a daily basis from now until the end of the season. Why would I do that? Two reasons. One, we all love the Red Sox. Two reasons. Why would I bump this amazing jam every day? One, we all love the Red Sox. It's good, Alvin. And two, because the Red Sox have a ton of confidence coming off that win over the ageless wonder Bartolo Colon. You need to load up to slow these guys down, Cash. And going with a lineup that's got a couple of MVP candidates is not enough. You need at least three, maybe four, because there's something else that you may or may not know. If you don't pull the trigger on Machado, the Red Sox might. They're reportedly interested. So if you're sitting around waiting for the best possible deal, you might end up losing him to the team that you're looking up to. Get it done, Cash. Get Machado and don't stop there. Jacob DeGrom, yes. Noah Syndergaard, yes. Bryce Harper, yes. Mike Trout, yes. Bullpen help, yes. Bring me everybody. That's what it's going to take to run these guys down. The last thing you want to do is end up in a one-game playoff. Winner take all. Using your best starter while the Red Sox sit and they wait. Do it, Cashman. Do it. You think you're the smartest guy in the room, Cash? Prove it. Because as much as I love that song, Man, I love this song. I love this song. As much as I love this song, I sure as hell don't want to play this every single day between now and November. Get it done, Cash. Get it done. Before they turn this into a boat race. And it may already be. They beat Bar Cologne. There's your mic drop. What else is there? There are a million things demanding your time. Contact lenses should not be one of them. With Simple Contacts, you can renew your prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere in just minutes. No more doctor's offices or waiting rooms. You take a five-minute vision test from your phone or computer. It's reviewed by a licensed doctor. You receive a renewed prescription and reorder your contacts. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space. Do you have an unexpired prescription? Just upload a photo or your doctor's info and order your lenses. Instead of heading to the doctor every single year to renew your prescription, take a few minutes out of your day and do it on your own time and your own terms. Please note, 
This is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. It is vision care for the 21st century. The vision test is only $20. The contact lens prices are unbeatable. Standard shipping is free. And best of all, we are offering a promotion for our listeners. Get $30 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash Rome or enter code Rome at checkout. Once again, $30 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash Rome or enter Rome at checkout. We are joined by Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan, good morning. Great to have you on. How are you? I'm good, Jim Rome. Thank you so much for having me. Jonathan Isaac, great to have you. So I mentioned you're having a great summer league so far. The buzz is building around you and Mo Bamba. What the two of you can do together, especially defensively. So let me start right there. What has summer league been like for you so far? Uh, summer league has been great. It's, it's been fun to to get around Mo and experience our new coaching staff, um, the way they coach and the way they'll have practices in the future. So it's just been fun. It's been it's been uh, a real collective effort with our team, and it's been going great. Now, you and Mo go back, of course, to your days of growing up in New York City. So what's it like being teammates on the same NBA team with him right now? It's cool. I, I know Mo from AAU ball and, and USA ball and traveling and all that stuff. Um, so it's great to, to, to have a, a, a previous connection with them, and I'm just looking forward to the future. Dude, what's that like? I mean, when you say that you grew up with a kid like that and you played AAU ball and you go way back, does it all seem normal and natural, like this is what we all expected to happen? Or is there a party that's like, damn, I mean, I knew this kid growing up, and now we're playing NBA together? Yeah, no, I, I would say I didn't know him that well. Um, not like we went to the same school or anything like that. Just, uh, um, just AAU tournaments and things like that, seeing him all the time. Um, he was on the, the Bahamian, no, the, the, the Nike elite team when we went to Bahamas and I was there as well. So just, uh, just like little times of, of, of seeing them and playing against them and playing with them. So, uh, I wouldn't say uh, we were super cool or know each other that well, but there is a, a previous connection. I got it. Jonathan Isaac, my guest. Now, you were talking the other day about how the fact is you guys aren't just tall and you guys aren't just bigs. You said, quote, Mo is not even a big man, and I don't really like to label myself as big either because we move around. We set screens. You saw him knock down an open three against Phoenix. We can move and switch and guard just about everybody. I bring this up. My question is then, how much pride do you take in the fact that you both have that kind of versatility and that you can do just about anything on the floor? Well, I love it. I love it, and, and, and I know he takes pride in his defense, and I do as well. Um, but just his, his mobility and being able to switch and, and guard different dudes in mind as well, uh, I think it makes it very tough on, for the offense. And uh, just moving forward, adding our great pieces like A.G. and Simmons and all those guys that are great defenders as well, um, I think we could be a, a great defensive team. We're talking to Jonathan Isaac. One more thought about that. As an example, like you're hitting pull-ups and off the bounce, step backs in the post, and people who are covering Summer League are pretty much freaking out about it. But at the same time, has that not always been a part of your game? Does that not go back to what you were doing in high school? Uh, yeah, it, it does. And uh, um, I, I would say not not so much of a shock to myself, um, but just, just being more comfortable and, and, and uh, coaches are, are allowing me to go to it and giving me um, – I saw options and things like that. So a part of it is um, just doing something I've always been comfortable with. But at the same time, as I've gotten more comfortable a year in the league, I'm able to, to show things that I've kind of always always had in my package. So it, 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 it's cool to see everybody like, wow, like we didn't know he could, he could do a lot of this stuff. But uh, it's been something that I've been – working on since high school and things like that. Orlando Magic's Jonathan Isaac is my guest. You know, during one summer league game, you guys forced numerous 24-second shot clock violations. <laughs> and I want to underline the fact that you're still just 20. So when you look at the growth in your game in the past year, and plus where Mo is, how excited are you to think about where the two of you and some of your other teammates might be in two or three years? You know, it's, it's, it's super exciting. Um, I was told uh, the other day that it's like one of the, one of the first times in a while that Orlando was kind of buzzing for our team. And uh, obviously not just because of me and Mo, but just being able to retain AG and, and, and get pieces. Um, it, it's been great, man. I'm super excited for the future. I know um, if I continue to just keep my head down and work and Mo as well, we can grow um, so much offensively and continue to grow defensively. So I'm happy, man. I'm excited about summer league. I'm excited to, to get with the team for training camp and just to see what we can do under our, under our new coaching staff has been great so far. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that coaching staff in a minute. One more thought. I mean, I'm talking to you and you're a young guy and last year was challenging. I mean, last year may not have gone the way you'd expected because although you got to a really, really good start, you had some injuries and you dealt with that, but you've got a really good mindset and you're staying positive, you're staying enthusiastic. I think for a young player, it might have been easy to get down or angry or frustrated, but you weren't doing that. You stayed positive. How were you able to do that and stay in the right place mentally? 
uh, I, I would just say it, it was so tough. It was so tough to to be able to do that. I had uh, great people around me. I had a, a church family around me to uh, to keep me built up. I, I, I leaned a lot on my faith um, to get me through that time. But just just keeping my head up and, and, and knowing what I can do on the court, knowing the work that I've put in and knowing the work that I'm going to put in has uh, just, just kept me focused. My teammates did a, an amazing job of, 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 of keeping me included and keeping my head up and uh, making it all funny. So it, it was great, and I'm, I'm excited to be back on the court. Um, and yeah, just, just excited for the future. Hey, I wonder if there's something about this, too. If you get hurt and all of a sudden, you know, when you're young and you don't, you've never been hurt or you have to deal with an injury like that, you obviously are going to come back with a different perspective. Did you have a greater appreciation literally for everything that went along with the game and the job once you had it taken away for a little while? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the just the attention to detail, um, way more attention to my body and the the, the little things like stretching um, every single day and getting in the cold tub more and just really appreciating being out on the court and trying to do everything I can to stay out there um, behind the scenes. Matt, your body, at your money maker, body is temple. You got to take care of that, right? Yes, sir. Yes, How about sir. your coach, Steve Clifford? You mentioned the new coaching staff. I know you've had a chance to spend a little bit of time with him since he was named head coach. What do you make of him so far? I love him so far, and uh, not just him, me and the entire coaching staff. I've, I've done most of my um, my workout with uh, Pat Delaney and uh, Bruce, our shooting coach. Um, but Clifford has been – he's been in the gym every day. He's been watching every single workout. He's been teaching um, and getting here in summer league. He coached, he coached the first two practices. So it's just been – it's been great to have him here, and he's just a he, – he's a good dude, man. He's genuine, but he, he's a tough coach, and I think um, it's going to be great for our team. Dude, he is a good dude. He is a really good dude, even from a media standpoint. He's a great guy to talk to. Before I let you go, you talked about some of the young guys. How about during last season, Aaron Aflalo would check in on you to see what you were doing and to make sure that you were using your free time, free time and your off days the best way possible. So what did it mean to have a vet like that looking at you and thinking you had a bright future and wanting to make sure you were doing the right things? Yeah, man. Aaron Aflalo was, was amazing. He came out here for a game along with A.G. and T. Ross and Jay Sims. Um, but no, last year he was, he was big time for me. He took me to dinner, um, just to check on me and see where my head was at. Um, helped me understand that in, injuries are only going to be for so long that I'm going to get my shot to get on the court and just to just stay focused and, and keep working. Um, he gave me the motto of, what do you say? He just, just get drenched, get drenched when you work out, get drenched, um, go as hard as you possibly can. And, uh, and, and your work will take you where you need to go. Hashtag get drenched. I like that one. So finally, what's the biggest challenge? When you make that transition from college to the NBA, is it the physical side of the game? Is it the mental side of the game? Or is it something else altogether? I would say it, it, it's all of it um, in one. Adjusting to the speed, um, not being the best player on the floor is, is, a, is a mental thing for, for, for young guys. Um, and having to wait your turn. It's, it's, there's so many different things all, all packaged in one, but the physicality, um, you're literally like a little kid to, uh, to, to all the guys on your team. Um, they have families and, and, and um, things, to, things to do when you're just kind of just there. Um, so it, it's tough. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mental game. It's a business you have to understand. Um, so a lot of things, I, I see exactly why it takes, it takes a while for players and certain players to, to really get the hang of it. Yeah, except you got the hang of it pretty quickly, and the Orlando Magic have got tremendous upside. They're an exciting young team. He was the sixth pick overall in 2017, and once again, tearing it up in the Summer League. Jonathan Isaac, my guest. Jonathan, so good to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for me and everybody else. Really good to have you. Uh, thank you so much, man. My, my agent, Perry Rogers, told me to tell you what's up. Perry Rogers, man. How's he doing? What's going on? He's going good. I had, I had dinner at his, with his family last night, so uh, he, I told him I was going on. He told me to say, hey. I love that. Yeah, tell him I said what's up, and much respect. Okay. All right, Jonathan. We go to Buffalo because in the shiny, upcoming, up and coming city of Buffalo resides arguably the most dangerous holder of a golden ticket. None other than Rick in Buffalo. Right now, Rick is holding on to a second golden ticket. And it seems to me safely holding on to a second golden ticket, which is not what I could say about his first golden ticket. But no matter what happens between now and the 20th, I think he's going to be just fine. And I say that because he's earned it. Last year, he did get that ticket ripped. This year, he has cemented his invitation with one racked call after another. Some of you call this show all the time. You never get better. Some of you call this show all the time. You actually get worse with reps. Not this guy. 
He's the rare caller that is getting better and better and better. Now, I can't guarantee that everybody in the field is going to get on the air next Friday. I've made that pretty clear. I can pretty much promise that this guy will because he's the guy who's got a shot at winning it. Like, he's kind of like that, I don't know, like that lone wolf. That lone wolf in every sense of the word. Like, in the sense, he's got no allies. He's got no allies, only enemies. And for a guy who emerged, burst onto the scene back in 2017, his hit list is getting longer and longer and longer. It's already pretty extensive. Ask Dan in Denver. Ask Luke in Fort Collins. Ask John in New York. Ask Josh in Detroit. Ask Rex in the ABQ. Ask them all. Well, you got to love Dan in Denver. You should expect that kind of trash coming from a guy who throws surprise birthday parties for his cat. Luke in Fort Collins is another one without a friggin' clue. You hack. I want to honor my father by getting a golden ticket routine. You know how you can honor your old man? Stop calling the show and embarrassing yourself. That nobody John in New York. I love how this loser starts every one of his calls saying the show's so funny. He almost drives his truck right off the road. Hey, John, do us all a favor and finish the job. Your wife will secretly celebrate and your kids will be a lot better off. Rexy, you'd be wise to take my advice, little man. Instead of calling the show twice a week, scale it back to maybe twice a year. It won't make your calls any better, but it'll remind everyone a lot less often how truly terrible they are. Josh in Detroit, having your support is like finding out the fat chick at work has a thing for you. I'd rather not know about friggin' either. Keep my good name out your damn mouth. Look, no other way to put it. (laughs) This guy's savage. He is a savage. Like, no jokes, no one-liners. This cat's just angry, man. He's angry. He's mean. And I like it. He's not looking for the laugh, although he got a few from me. He's not looking for the laugh. He's looking for a kill shot. It's a brand. It's a brand that might get lost in the delivery because of the delivery, right? I mean, don't get it twisted. My man will go for your throat. And he's not just laying waste to the new generation of wannabes. He's not just stomping the no-lifers. He's not just going for the low-hanging fruit. This year, he has taken run after run at Jungle Royalty. And the 2010 smack-off champ, Vic in NoCal. Vic's no longer the Broadway Joe guaranteeing Super Bowl win. He's the drunken idiot throwing himself all over Susie Culver. Your time as a jungle heavyweight is officially over. Taking a run at Dr. Dave. God, you're a loser. Vic's like the old family dog who you finally got to put down. You feel terrible about it. But when all he's doing is running into walls and peeing on the carpet, there's no other choice. Vic's saying he was every host's dream. It's host's dream, you loser. A hostess dream is what your chubby girlfriend has when she falls asleep every night. Victor wants us all to believe he's been a diehard Warriors fan. Sure you have, Vic. Just like you're making 250k and don't have to pay for female companionship. You scumbag. I heard some nobody in New York call a couple days ago saying I sound like I'm holding someone hostage. Try taking another run at me and I will hold you hostage. Don't believe me? Ask Vic in NoCal. I've been holding that bitch hostage all year. Dude, this dude. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this rivalry with Vic has been pretty one-sided of late. Of late. But that does not mean that Vic will not have something for Rick next Friday. Because Vic is overdue. And you know he'll be looking to return fire. But sooner, no sooner than somebody pulls Rick off of Vic, then he goes in on the two-time champ. And how nice it was a lesson with Luna to check in after I smoked him out a couple weeks ago. But does it really count as a call if all he did was regurgitate year-old Kate on Ice Cube's big three league? What's wrong, left? Another writer's strike in Southern California, but I do agree with one thing you said. Things definitely come in threes, and your three-year run of smack-off gimmicks is over. I know you're gripping right now because you finally realize you're going to have to rely on straight smack to win this year's crown, and we all know how that's going to end in an epic battle with Vic for ninth place. 
Nice knowing you, champ. I'm telling you, you can't. Look, I know you can't hear this dude's voice and not think of the former champ, the former heavyweight champ from Virginia. And a lot of you want to make that point. Because every time Rick calls in, Twitter floods with comparisons to Jeff from Richmond. And when Jeff from Richmond made his comeback a few months back, a lot of clones said that Rick's smack-off stock went right into the tank. Because the original was back to bury the imposter. Well, Rick heard all that. It worked all of its way back to him, and he had a little something in response. Let me address the featherweight clones who keep accusing me of stealing Jeff and Richmond swag. I've sounded this way since I was five, and I've been pulling older chicks ever since. You know, you're really dumb enough to believe I'd model my game after that broken-down train wreck. You heard that call yesterday. Jeff sounded like he just woke up from a 10-year nap and then accidentally butt-dialed the show. His timing was off. His material dated, and just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, he shouts out to his boy, Rogan Loam. <laughs> nice touch, Jeffrey. Now let me give you the real update on Jeff in Richmond. He traded in those 26-inch pipes for a 52-inch waistline. His mannerly countryside estate went into foreclosure in 2008, and his once-trophy wife now resides in my bedroom. <laughs> All right, so does Rick sound like Jeff? Of course. Of course. Do I give a damn? Hell no. Their pipes might be similar, but their game could not be more different. I mean, Jeff is about Jeff. Rick is about anybody standing in front of him. And I get that there is a line in the jungle sand and that the old school might not ever get past the fact that these guys do sound alike. But let me tell you this. Rick does not care what anybody else thinks. Like I said, man, this dude's kind of a savage. He's mean. He's angry. He's a lone wolf. And if you're not me or Mrs. Rick in Buffalo, then this dude probably hates your guts and couldn't give a damn what you think. It's his brand. It's him against the world. And on Friday, July 20th, he's fighting the entire world out of Buffalo, New York. And there's not a better representative of a tough, overlooked town, blue-collar town, than a guy who doesn't give a damn about anything or what any of you think. Everything this dude has done and every call this dude has made has led up to next Friday. He may be a rook, but he's not intimidated. And he's getting bigger and stronger and more and more confident. In eight days, we will find out how mean the meanest cat in the jungle can get. The field is stacked. Do not sleep on this guy. You know he's going to come out throwing. He's going to go right to the middle of the ring and look to land haymakers. This guy's not going to fill anybody out. This guy's not going to throw a few jabs out there. He's going to run out to the middle of the rain and ring and look to clock somebody. Eight days and counting. I mentioned in the take that this guy's got no allies, only enemies. At Goat39 tweets, I'm a big ally of Rick and Buffalo. The dude is the truth. Juan from Canada, eh? Tweets, another polarizing figure in the jungle. Now, Rick is about as polarizing as it gets. Phil in Dallas tweets, this is good stuff. Best profile by far. Listen, this is why I'm doing the profiles. I don't think you fully understand what these guys have to bring to it or what you're going to be listening to next Friday. This is why I'm running these profiles out there. Yesterday, you were saying best profile to date. When I had the two Canadians, now it's Rick and you're saying best profile to date. These guys are way better than you know. They deserve a lot more credit than they're getting. This is why they get their own profiles. At 4 Foxtrot. Rick in Buffalo is a bulldog. Nasty. That's what 10 months of winter will turn you into. Maybe. Maybe, man. You have to deal with the elements. I think there's something to it. It's a tough, tough town because you need to be tough to survive, much less thrive. This dude's nasty. I said it. He's mean. He's mean. He's nasty. He's angry. He's coming for everybody. What do you think? Does that guy have the, get, the, the game and the chops to win that thing? Does he seem like somebody who's going to finish in the top 10? Does he seem like somebody who's going to hit the board? Or can you see this guy shocking the world and winning the whole thing outright? Finish the job. Victor, what's going on? 
Hello. Well, first off, my condolences to you on the Costco Polish hot dog. You know, I lived through a similar tragedy a few years ago back when Costco discontinued what they called their hand-dipped ice cream bars. Those things are freaking delicious, man. Look them up on Google. You'll see what I mean. Anyway, Rome, I find myself in a bit of a dilemma here, as I often do, because, you know, you get these nobodies in the jungle. I call them ankle biters. You know, they start nipping at my heels, tugging on my cape, trying to get my attention, trying to make a name for themselves on my coattails. Because, you see, they're not dumb, okay? They understand what I can do for them. They understand the clout that I carry in this industry. So, you know, my dilemma then is, do I give these guys what they want, or do I, do I just keep ignoring them? Because here's the thing, Rome, and this is going to sound a bit counterintuitive, I know, but when Vic and NoCal smashes somebody's face in on the radio, that is actually good for their look, okay? It raises their cachet, that the mighty Vic and NoCal even knows who the hell they are, that I took time to dedicate valuable real estate to them. And make no mistake, clones, this is valuable real estate. I only get a few minutes on the air every year, and there's other things I'd rather talk about. But, like, take Dr. Day, for example. He's a good example. I mean, I took a clown like Dr. Dave, an absolutely cringeworthy buffoon like Dr. Dave, and I made him a household name on this show, man. And if you're a household name on the Jim Rome show, then you're a household name in radio, period, okay? I mean, Rome, when you hang this thing up 20 years from now and you look back at the history, the rich tapestry of this show, the multicolored mosaic that was the jungle, Dr. Dave is going to have a little spot up there carved out for himself, and I put him there. It's the Tony Tubbs effect, man. You know, Tony Tubbs is a well-known former boxer. He had a nice little career. But the only reason we all know who he is is because we've all been over to YouTube and seen the videos of Mike Tyson lighting him up. It's the same reason most people know Michael Spinks. Which brings me to this meathead idiot from Buffalo who you just profiled, who literally, this idiot stalks me on social media like a loser, Rome. I did a search on Twitter. This dude has tweeted at me 184 different times trying to get me to notice him. What a damn weirdo, man. He, he comes in with his horrible East Coast takes like, Oh, Jim, I think the Bills can go 9-7 and seven this year, maybe sneak into the wild card. Uh, Tyrod Taylor. You know, just the kind of garbage you hear on all the other radio shows that are in the jungle. Uh, you know, Jim, me and my boys at the factory, local 138 workers union, we got to punch the clock every day, but these athletes make millions and they're still not happy. Uh, just terrible radio, man. Rick, I'm tired of your stupid calls. I'm tired of your stupid voice. I'm tired of your stupid face polluting my TV screen every time you call, okay? Congrats, man. You got me to mention your name. Now listen up, because I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse, okay? You leave my jungle today, never to come back, and I'm going to let you live, okay? Go into witness protection, turn state's evidence, change your name, whatever you want to do. I won't come after you. But you show your caveman face around this house again in my jungle, and I'm not just going to take you out. Your entire lineage is going to feel it. Dude, even decades from now, your grandkids are going to get bullied at school, man. All the other kids are going to be like, ha ha, your grandpa is that loser who got destroyed by Broadway Vic. So do the smart thing for once in your life, Rick, okay? Do it for your family, man. You had a little run this year. Now it's over. Pack up your stuff and get the hell out of here. You're done. You're done in this town. You hear me? Done in this town. Trans like us, babe. We are joined by Bucky Brooks. Bucky, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you. So you've been watching and tweeting about flag football in the American Flag Football League. Let me start right there. What do you make of what you've seen from an excitement standpoint? Uh, I mean, I think it's a good game. I think much like the Big Three has been a resource for uh, some players to go to after their playing days are done. I think flag football could be a nice alternative for guys when the playing days are done. You're still in a competitive environment. There's still some level of strategy and athleticism and excitement to seeing pro players run around. I think it could be a nice option for players when the NFL days and maybe even their CFL days are done. You know, I think there's something to that. And then also just this whole overall notion of safety. I've talked to a number of guys and former players over the years who've said that there is no need to play tackle football as early as some kids start. Where do you come out on that? Is flag football a better idea for kids than tackle football? You know, Jim, it's tough for me because I was a guy that played tackle football from the time I was seven years old. So from seven to 28, all I knew was tackle football. However, had my old kid, my son, he played flag football coming up. And I talked to a bunch of pros and said, like, honestly, when you really think about it, unless your son 
or your kid is destined to be an offensive or defensive lineman, you can get a lot of the same benefits from playing flag. Being on the perimeter, moving around, the movement skills, catching the ball, throwing the ball, running the ball, all those skills you can learn in flag football. At some point, if you think your kid is going to play high school football, you can transition them to tackle or contact football maybe around eighth grade just so they can kind of get used to tackling and bumping into bodies. But in terms of the other stuff, I don't know why you would necessarily need to put your kid in tackle football before they get to eighth grade. Flag football can serve a lot of needs without all the risks that are associated with playing contact football. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Bucky Brooks joining us. Now, there were some legendary NFL players who got involved with this, guys like William McGinnis, Chris Claiborne, your old teammate Napoleon Kaufman. Who else was there, and what's it like when you guys get together? You know, it's crazy. When we're at the uh, opening and we have an opportunity to deal with all these top high school kids, it is really a remarkable experience because we not only get a chance to share our knowledge and wisdom, we get some of the pros to come back, Todd Gurley, Rob Gronkowski, DeMarcus Ware. Some of those guys also share information with the high school guys. But really, it's a chance to see the next generation in action. These guys that we see at these events, they're going to be the guys that we talk about in three or four years. So to be around them, to get around them kind of at the base level, to be maybe mentors to those guys, is really an invaluable experience. It's one that I'm really happy to be a part of. It's a great thing that Nike does. It's a great thing that Student Sports, who kind of runs it behind the scenes, also do it's a terrific opportunity for us to get involved and get back bucky brooks joining us an analyst for nfl network so bucky what about the kids i mean how would you compare the caliber of high school players now as compared to when you played in high school bigger faster stronger Mm -hmm. they have all the advantages because now they're training all the time they have uh, the opportunity to get with coaches and work individually on their games i can't tell you how advanced my game and some of the older guys games would have been if we had the opportunity to go to these camps, to be coached, to have access to some of the resources that they have available now, if you want to be a really good player in this day and time, there's nothing that is keeping you from being that player if you're willing to put in the time and the work. Bucky Brooks joining us. All right, shifting to the NFL now. The buzz is starting to build again for the Texans and Deshaun Watson. Listen, what are you looking to see from Watson early on to let you know whether or not he's back to being the guy he was prior to getting injured? You know, the main thing, I think everyone is worried about the injury. I just want to see how he advances and progresses and deals with some of the changes that he'll face from defensive coordinators that are a little more familiar with his game. The Houston Texans kind of took the lead by a storm when they put him in the lineup because they ran an offense that was radically different from the offense that they had been running prior to. They ran basically an offense that looked like a college offense, a lot of read option stuff, a lot of RPOs, a lot of deception and misdirection. Well, now that that is on tape, how does Deshaun Watson deal with some of the adjustments that defensive coordinators make for him and for that offense? How he handles the changes will let us know how good he could be as an NFL quarterback because if he quickly makes the adjustments to the adjustments that have been made against him, he has an opportunity to be an elite-level quarterback. I think he's going to make those adjustments. We'll just see how long it takes them to kind of figure it out. The NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks joining us once again. Bucky, in the late in the wake of the latest involving Jameis Winston, you made the point recently that either we're going to see him step up and mature and see the best of him, or he's going to wash out completely. If you had to guess, which scenario is more likely? I think he'll step up. Uh, I think he's a competitor. I think if you look at his history at Florida State and even in Tampa Bay, he has always performed better when he had stuff hanging over his head. The stuff that he had to deal with at Florida State, his final season, he still continued to play at a high level. I think he will be able to handle the pressure that goes with it. But make no mistake, it's a make-or-break year for Jameis Winston down in Tampa. He is on the high seat, but he's on the high seat because his head coach and the general manager are also on the high seat. I think for all three of them to return, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to make the playoffs. And it's going to be hard because they potentially could be in a three-game hole. But Jameis Winston is going to have to dig his franchise out of this hole to continue to be the franchise quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, so purely from an on-field standpoint, when you see some of the choices or decisions that he makes with the ball, what do you make of the progress that he's made over the course of his career? You know, the funny thing, Jim, the -the off-the-field stuff is kind of clouding the progress that he's made on the field. On the field, he's coming off career highs in completion percentage, um, interception rating is low, passing yards are up. All of those things are really, really good when you look at the stuff on tape. He still makes some bonehead decisions. He's still going to turn over the ball. But that's who he is. And for some quarterbacks, they're going to do it. 
he has to become a guy that displays better composure and better poise on the field. He's a natural leader. He's competitive. He has the NFL arm and all that. It's about his poise, his ability to kind of quiet his mind and play at a high level. If he does that, he could be a guy that is ultimately a top-five, top-ten quarterback. He has to kind of find a way to have that poise and play with it 60 minutes again. Bucky Brooks, my guest for a few more moments. Bucky, things got a little interesting on Twitter today when Chargers DB Casey Hayward responded to a tweet from the NFL Network saying, quote, don't listen to Bucky, he'd just be talking, end quote. (laughs) What did you think when you saw that? Uh, At first I didn't know what it was coming from, but then I went down and I led the thread. Last year I wrote a piece about system players and star players. And in star players, we talk about transcendent stars, guys that you can put in any system and they'll be able to succeed. So you think about a guy like a Von Miller who can play in any system. You think about a player like a Patrick Peterson, a cornerback who can play in any system because he can play press, he can play off. I included Casey Hayward on that list as a system player because he's a guy that plays in a scheme that allows him to play off. He builds, he looks at the quarterback, he clues, he reads plays, he jumps, he gets his hands on a ton of balls because he has great read and reaction skills. He took offense to that, I guess, by saying that I downgraded his game. But the funny thing is, I talked to a bunch of coaches that have coached Casey, not only in L.A. and San Diego, but also in Green Bay. And they said, in the system that he's currently in, he's built for it. It's a perfect system for him to play. So he's mad at me, but I'm just a messenger delivering the message that coaches told me about his game. Bucky Brooks joining us. All right, then. You know, I had Jarvis Landry on the show recently. He was talking about Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. And I've said for a while, I just don't think that Taylor gets nearly the respect that he deserves. So when you heard that there was a gap between Taylor and Mayfield in the quarterback competition, did that surprise you at all? Not surprised at all. I feel like Tyrod Taylor has been really uh, overlooked for whatever reason the last three or four years. When you look at his touchdown to interception ratio since what, 2014, 2015, he ranks only behind Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he has the fewest giveaways of any quarterback in the National Football League. When I talk to coaches, they say the turnover battle is the biggest deciding factor in winning games. When this guy doesn't turn it over, he finds a way to get his team into the end zone. Those are all the things that you want. So when I saw the competition coming up between Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor, I believed that he was a pro. He was going to do things the right way. He was going to get the ball to the playmakers. That offense was going to run differently with him at the helm compared to Baker. I am not surprised that he is in the lead for this quarterback competition. I've always believed that he is a starter. He is a top 15 quarterback. At some point, people will recognize his talent. Maybe he'll get an opportunity to show people in Cleveland. Right, and he's never had weapons like this around him. All right, so last thing before you go, Bucky. It's summertime, so that means that Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers are talking about a contract. The report has been that Bell is looking to be paid like a number one running back and a number two wide receiver. When you look at his numbers and you look at his production, does that feel like an unfair request, or does that sound about right to you? I mean, it, it sounds about right based on what the production is. The problem that he's going to fall into the top running backs don't make nearly the money that he's making right now in the franchise tag. He's making about 14-5. I think Devontae Freeman comes in maybe a little under $9 million. That's a huge gap, a huge disparity between where the top running backs are and where he is. And then when you add in not the age, but the injury history and the suspension factor, it is hard to justify paying Levy and Bill $14, 15000000 million at the running back position. I love him. I love his game. But if we talk about from a business standpoint, it's hard to commit that much money to Levy and Bell. I believe he's best served to play on the franchise tag this year like he played last year and hope, just hope, that the Pittsburgh Steelers extend the franchise tag another year. I don't believe on the open market he gets a deal that pays him nearly as much as what he's expecting as a franchise player. So how do you think that plays out, and how do you think he'll respond to it? You know, I think he's going to do what he did last year. I think he'll show up a week before um, the regular season starts so he doesn't get fined. He'll come in and play. He'll play well. And then they'll have to figure out what they want to do with Le'Veon Bell next offseason. I believe the Steelers made a bit of a mistake because they should have drafted a top running back this year so he could serve as an apprentice for a year before they give him the job and allow Le'Veon Bell to walk on. I don't believe Le'Veon Bell will be a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2019. Trapper joining us. Trapper, what's going on, brother? How are you? Hey, real good, Jimmy. Real good. How are you today? Great. Great. Well, uh, I just want to call, give you a short call, and thank you for the honor of the invite to the Smack Off. i got to tell you, 25 years and change, it is still a great honor. 
Oh, thank you very much. Sorry to say, Jim, I'm not going to make it, buddy. They uh, they put me on some new chemo this week, and uh, it makes you a bit hazy. As you just said, I'm I'm on the way to Portland for some new radiation, so we can kick you know kick this sob in the in the butt and get over it. Bottom line, I'm not coming in if I don't have my A game, and I'm not going to go script. I got way too much respect for the other invitees. Also, Jim. Uh, Every year, several of the callers get frozen out because there just isn't enough time for all of the everybody to get in. I am not going to take up somebody else's time. Best wishes to all of you that uh, got in and uh, for about to be an invitee. I definitely be dialed in. One thing, Jim, I, I got to say this real quick about the Radio Hall of Fame competition. Uh, congrats to you for uh, for being uh, one of the competitors in that, so to speak. And you got to bone out six figures large for advertising by fascists like Breitbart or Kowtow to the awesome power of the NRA to put you over the goal line. Don't tell me this people have spoken. Just don't tell me that. Jim Rome has never had to cozy up with the ugliness of the far right of any political persuasion to make his bones. He, this show, and everybody out there have brought out out the vote for for a man who's done it his way all along, since the beginning. Clean, fair, honest, and beholden to no one. You got that, Breitbart? That's about all I got, man. I'm getting pissed off here. (laughs) That's all I got, Jimmy. Tramps like us, babe. I'm out. Bye-bye. Tramps like us, brother. 30 pieces of silver. He's trapping your knot. Good night now! How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.